Hi, I'm Kaylin Mendez, Pepperdine Graphic Media's podcast producer. My podcast, Small Studio Sessions, focuses on students who are involved in music, giving them a place to perform and talk about their passions. Small Studio Sessions. You can check it out on YouTube. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Graph. We were going to do today's episode on the impeachment. Developments, though, on the impeachment inquiry. In the impeachment inquiry. President Trump withheld hundreds of millions of dollars. Quid pro quo with Ukraine. I'm not concerned about anything. The testimony has all been fine. I mean, for the most part, I never even heard of these people. Not that impeachment, but the student government associations that we covered in last week's episode. There was an impeachment. It, you can't say it was but there was one. And she said, no, I can't. So there was uh, some sort of impeachment process last semester um, that went on, but you can't confirm who it was. I'm not confirming that there was an impeachment process. I'm just confirming that. So mm-hmm. it seems like she kind of slipped up there. <laughs> but a more important news story happened this weekend. Good afternoon from New York. We're coming on the air with breaking news, very sad news to tell the sports world. The L.A. Times is reporting that retired Los Angeles Lakers basketball star Kobe Bryant has been killed in a helicopter crash. It happened this morning. The chopper reportedly went down just before 10 a.m. local time, according to fire, uh, the fire department out there in Calabasas, California. That's northwest of Los Angeles. You can see the picture there. On Sunday, the Pepperdine graphic advisor, Elizabeth Smith, sent a message to the graphic group chat. Three graphic reporters were hanging out in their dorm when they got the news. Can we go around and say your names? I'm Kyle McCabe, uh, assistant news editor on The Graphic. My name is Carl Winter, and I'm the sports editor at PGM. I'm Allie Levins, and I'm a sports writer and news designer. It was uh, almost 11, 1045-ish when we first heard about the helicopter crash. And you didn't start going until you knew it was Kobe was in the, the helicopter, right? Yeah, we knew that the crash site was within about 10 miles of Pepperdine's campus, but until we heard about that Kobe Bryant was probably one of the passengers, we decided to head to the crash site um, with a group of five of us. We didn't find out about the crash until about an hour after it happened, and then the news about Kobe didn't break for about another 45 minutes. So we were kind of in the same boat as the rest of the local and national news media converging on this site in Calabasas, less than 10 miles from our own campus. Welcome to The Graph, Pepperdine Graphic Media's news podcast. I'm Alex Nice. And I'm James Moore. In today's episode, we hear from three reporters who are at the scene of basketball legend Kobe Bryant's death and the fast-paced decision-making that comes into play when reporting on tragedy. Today is January 30th. So then once you decided you were going to go, um, there's five of you there. 
ZU3 and who else was there? Um, Austin Hall, one of our sports writers, and Brianna Willis, one of our news writers, joined us. So we all five of us went. We all had basically just our cell phones, and we had two DSLR cameras, and Austin and Bree were ready to go live on camera as reporters if needed. When our reporters showed up on the scene, actually getting to the crash site wasn't an easy task. And there were crowds and crowds of people from news media to emergency personnel to just well-wishers and supporters. People were already there wearing Kobe jerseys within probably 30 minutes of the news breaking that he might have been on board. So we, we reached a road closure. At one point, we were turned around by sheriffs. There was another road closure. We had to park illegally on the side of the road, but there were just crowds and crowds of people. We tried to just cross the street, and then two police officers told us that we couldn't cross, even though we were wearing press passes, and we were like, we're the closest school, and they were like, I don't know what to tell you. I have recording of it, so. Okay, do you have press ID, ma'am? No, okay. we're all, we're all covered. covered on. That's a stretch. No, come on, guys. We need to. We're not gonna. We're, we're, we're not gonna. Journalists at Pepperdine. This is really big for our community. Yeah, I know it is. Thanks, guys. Come on. What are we supposed to do? Wait over there like everyone else. <laughs> but we're there. we're trying to like this is our job. We're all journalists. We're, like, we're, we and we're Pepperdine. We're, we're, we're the closest know, school to here. I mean, you can ask someone else if they what they say. Okay. And then we ended up going all the way around. And then. We saw it there, and then I was trying to send my location to Kyle with the sketchy service, and they made it to us. Yeah, and it was a good thing that we left when we did, because after we got to where we parked, the road blockages kept uh, moving further and further down the road. They kept extending the area of um, Las Virginis that was closed. So if we had gotten there any later, it would have been even harder to get as close as we did. Yeah, and Austin and Breed debated getting better camera equipment, but we just went with what we had. We knew, I mean, it's not every day that, like, the national and world news media is going to descend on Calabasas and Malibu, I guess, since the Woolsey fire the previous year. So we were like, this is, you know, an opportunity for us to go and obviously do some difficult journalism covering a tragic event, but also just kind of see what it was like to cover a, a major national story like this. So that was kind of the thought that went through my head, like this is an opportunity, um, albeit a sad circumstance, that we can go and, and just get some good experience. So we didn't have a ton of equipment, but, I mean, everyone was in a rush to get there, and we did what we could with what we had. And even when we got there, most news outlets, I mean, including us, there was, like, no cell service there, and we're just dealing with just the crowd of people and the fact that this occurred at such a remote site. And and we were pretty sure it was east of Las Virginis Road up on that hillside because we had just heard it was a remote hillside, but it wasn't until we reached a certain point, the intersection of Las Virginis and Willow Glen Street. That was the only place where you could still see the smoke billowing from the crash site hours after it occurred. My name is Gianni Coquella, and I serve as PGM's uh, Pixel editor. 
The Pixel is PGM's weekly newsletter where we send out highlights about our top stories and upcoming events and other relevant newsworthy information. Essentially what I do every week is I try to keep in touch with all the stories that are coming through at Pepperdine and even kind of around the world too. I mean, I try to make sure that I'm covering things that are really important nationally, internationally, and at Pepperdine so that when I do write the Pixel, people are able to get a glimpse in what's going on both here on campus and in our community, but also around the world. You can find the Pixel on the Pepperdine Graphic website. When a major celebrity like Kobe dies, it draws a lot of public attention. A reporter said that a lot of people at the scene were just there to figure out what was going on. The um, scene of how many people were just walking um, towards where everyone just assumed the crash site was, the, really the only thing that I've seen like it is um, if you go to some major sporting event and people have to walk from parking lots far away and there's just herds of people all descending on the stadium. That's what it felt like, especially since there was people wearing Kobe jerseys, wearing Laker apparel. It was like everybody was everybody was of the same mind. No one said anything to each other, but they were all going to the same place for the same reason, and it was to pay their respects to Kobe. The road was probably only closed for about a mile stretch, but there was people just all over this residential community in Calabasas, and it seemed like most of the people, when we first got toward the scene, were in the same boat of not knowing exactly where the crash site occurred because everyone had just heard that it was a remote hillside. So it wasn't right there in that residential community and everyone was kind of confused about what they were looking for. But it was just people trying to at least get a glimpse of the crash site and figure out what was going on. And probably two-thirds of the people there were just community members and locals and people there trying to see if it was really Kobe Bryant that was gone. So... You get there to the scene of chaos, pretty much, and what goals are sort of in your mind? Are you trying to get pictures? Are you trying to get quotes? Uh, what sort of end goal are you seeing as you're doing your reporting in the field? Um, for me, I was just trying to get good pictures to use because it was very far off, and I was using a 300 millimeter, and it was still like a dot. And so it was like so far away, like further away than people thought it was, I think. And I know Austin and Bree were just trying to get the information out because the whole graphic team knew we were going up there. And so they were trying to film lives and stuff, even though the sketch, was, the service was sketchy. I was the one with the best cell service. So I was um, looking at uh, the information uh, being sent in our graphic group chat. I was looking at Twitter, I was looking at um, LA Times and like just seeing if there's any more news coming in as we were standing there. Um, but I didn't have a camera or anything to, to really take pictures. I took a couple pictures with my phone uh, and a few videos um, just to sort of show what the scene that the, the scene at Las Virginis and Willow Glen was right, was like. In the chaos of national news events, journalists are forced to make decisions about what information to release and when, in the midst of potentially false reports. Our reporters are no exception. Can you sort of talk about the process of deliberating between getting out the information on time and making sure what you were saying was confirmed and sort of how you balance that? 
I was helping Brie and um, Austin film and stuff. And so they were trying to phrase stuff and say that they knew exactly what it was. But also, if it still wasn't confirmed, they were wording it. So it was still open to be corrected. And so I think that really helped whenever the updates came in later and some of the stuff they had said wasn't correct, but they hadn't said this is this. So it was easily correctable and it was still like true reporting. We were there when reports started coming out that all four of Kobe's daughters were in the helicopter with him. Um, And there was this woman who saw our press pages and came up to us asking if it was true. Um, And we told her that it wasn't confirmed by anyone. There was, I think the report said that it was rumored that there were all four daughters on the flight. So she was very relieved when we told her that. But then we were also the ones who told her that um, Gianna was confirmed to be on the flight, and she seemed to take it pretty hard. The press conference was delayed until about 2.30, and once it finally did begin, they didn't give us much. Osby spoke about the just the response of his department at the crash site and the fire that was caused by the crash, but just really giving us technical information that wasn't helpful in terms of confirming who was on the flight. The L.A. County uh, Fire Department and Sheriff's Department um, did not want to confirm any identities until the coroner had uh, finished their investigation, or what would, what do you call that? Their... I would just say investigation. They, well, they, they they mentioned that they, in the later press conference, the coroner spoke and just said our first order of business is recovering what we can from the crash site, and then it's identification and notification of families. And so they, and they also slammed the national news media, especially TMZ, for disseminating information that they hadn't confirmed without notifying the families. But at this point, it was common knowledge amongst the world that at least Kobe Bryant and his daughter were on that flight, even though the authorities wouldn't confirm that. I would say it was kind of an eerie sight. There was just so, it was so quiet. And all you could really hear was like the the driving. And then you could just like smell the smoke in the air. And it was like the video I took, it was just, everyone's just hugging each other and they just shared the same environment and were there for each other without saying anything. Uh, The whole time we were at the crash site, there was a helicopter um, flying uh, overhead and you could always hear it. There was never anybody talking very loud. Um, And there was a couple people who were emotional. There was one woman crying, but there was just a lot of a lot of people who knew why each other were there. They didn't have to say anything. Um, but I never really heard them say anything either. I never heard anybody say anything like, I can't believe Kobe's dead, or I hope it's not true, or anything like that. Everybody was just there, sort of talking to whoever they were there with, um, and just taking it all in. When covering tragic stories, reporters are still humans. Objective reporting doesn't mean not feeling emotions, but sometimes the weight of the story doesn't set in until later on. 
And Austin said after we had already finished leaving the press conference and stuff, he's like, we've been so busy covering this, I haven't even had time to grieve. And I think that kind of struck a chord with me anyway because it's like we're just... We were trying to get out into information, but also it's also like as a journalist trying to still have that empathy while covering such a hard subject and topic. The community that came out, I mean, I think everyone was just as saddened by the fact that it was Kobe Bryant, a, a beloved Los Angeles icon and someone who was just getting started on his life after a 20-year NBA career, but also that his daughter went down with him and just what that must have been like for the rest of his family. And he was on his way to a game with several other young girls that were a part of his team and their families. And we now know that half of the Altabelli family is lost and there were two children left behind. So it's just that just a series of tragedies and we didn't really I agree we didn't really process it until after the fact that we, we were we were a part of it we were there but we didn't really feel the emotion until when we came back to the newsroom and were kind of putting this story together even today I've seen things on Instagram on Twitter and stuff about uh, Kobe's death and it's almost surreal because it was just a news story that we were covering that he died. And so it, all, it hits me, it kind of hits me again every time I see it, that Kobe Bryant is gone. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Thank, Thank you. you all. Thank you. Thanks. That's all for today. See you next time. Kaylin Mendez is our podcast producer. Our managing editor is Maddie Carr, and our executive editor is Chana Steinmetz. Our theme song is written by Jeremy Zerb. Our logo is designed by Natalie Roulon. Elizabeth Smith and Courtney Stallings are the PGM advisors. This episode was recorded in the KWVS podcast studio. The Graph is a Pepperdine Graphic Media production. Usually we do it the other way around. That's yeah, why we're struggling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>